Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Comic-Con is here as we talk about what we want to see at the largest venue for pop culture. The Dark Knight hits a big milestone. And what does it all mean now that the path to Fox has been cleared for Disney? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. We are back, everyone, and we're back strong with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man behind Humanic Media. You gotta check out all the great things that are going on with them at Humanica Media on YouTube, humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, and so much more. It's my good friend. It is a fellow National University graduate and fellow pop culture junkie right in the middle of Comic-Con. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? Yeah, I've uh, been checking out some of these Comic-Con trailers and actually it's not been a whole lot pushed out of there yet. You know, I'm hoping things will heat up here in the next couple of days and we'll be able to get some some more exciting announcements. So I am stoked about the Gundam thing, but we'll get to that. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. And to let everyone know out there, we will be constantly updating our feed on Facebook and Twitter at Pop Culture Cosmos and at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter with the latest news, videos, and so much more from Comic-Con, so you get your whole influx of good Comic-Con info right there if you stick along with us. I've seen a few trailers myself, seen the latest Doctor Who trailer featuring the first female Doctor Who, and that looks really promising. Plus, I've seen some other trailers drop as well. So if everyone out there wants to get a chance to check out everything that's going on at Comic-Con, please stop by our sites at Pop Culture Cosmos. But it's going to be a great thing indeed to talk about because we will be talking more about Comic-Con, of course. But we also have Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to be talking about Walmart's latest step into try and undercut. This time it's Amazon and Netflix and all those other streaming outlets with an expansion of their own voodoo and try to become a paid subscription service and compete in that realm later this fall. Rob and I are going to talk about that and where they might go with what they need to do. And, hey, real and, quick. Yeah. I actually really love voodoo. 
I'm not going to be part of that conversation, but I, I'm actually a huge fan of Voodoo. I've gotten a lot of great stuff from them. And the fact that Ultraviolet is connected to Voodoo, and that's what all the digital copies are, just makes it so convenient. I agree with you. They've been a very, very solid thing, but Walmart hasn't paid too much attention to it. But that's changing as they are now really putting their two cents in, so to speak, into this service. And now they're making it a full-fledged subscription service and outlet similar to what we've seen already with Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and what have you. So Rob and I are, are going to talk about that here and elaborate more in detail. But yes, you're right. Voodoo, we actually said nice things before on it, and we only think it can go up from there. Also, we're going to be talking to Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games. Speaking of Rob, he and I had a debate last week, one of our many, in regards to crossplay and also Fortnite on the Nintendo Switch. And to be reminded of it, we just went mano a mano on it, on some differing opinions on it. And Douglas is going to actually settle the score between Rob and I and let us know with a experienced gaming voice his thoughts on crossplay on Sony and all that controversy there, and plus the numbers of Fortnite on Nintendo Switch. He is going to be deciding which of us is right. I'm hoping it's me. I'm hoping it's me. But we will have that later in the show. Also, as well, we're going to be talking about the path is now clear for Disney. Comcast has dropped out. What does that mean for us now at, as fans of, of all this pop culture and all the other stuff when it comes to the Fox titles? And we're going to be talking about that and so much more. But, Josh, it's the middle of Comic-Con, my friend. By the way, how was your Amazon Prime Day? Speaking of the things that you're going to be buying how was your day and Amazon Prime Day? Because I know that's something that Rob and I are going to be talking about here in an upcoming episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. I know what Amazon says as far as their numbers were great, better than expected, yada, yada, yada. But we all know about the news that there were some problems initially with a lot of people getting inconvenienced and a lot of things that were, were either technical glitches too many people actually going out and trying to buy the same things. A lot of issues there. Selections still were not at what levels people were, were satisfied with. What were your thoughts on Amazon Prime Day? Because that's something that, that leads us off from our Monday show where we talked extensively about Amazon Prime Day. I didn't actually buy anything. There, I was looking at stuff. I was looking at games, 4K Blu-ray player. But I didn't really buy anything because there wasn't something I, I I was like, you know, I cannot live without this item right now. And I'm trying to like, you know, save money. So and, and it's one of those things where you're like, I get this. And when am I going to have time to use it? I want it. But when am I going to have time to use it? So I would rather just save that $60, $70. But I was sending links to like Nintendo Switches to my buddies and games and stuff like that. So I don't know what they bought. But yeah, I heard about the the technical issues what was going on were people the page is not updating fast enough as far as stock goes pretty much plus also the fact that i don't think even someone as normally qualified to handle the kind of demand necessary as amazon i think that's something they're going to have to address plus you know as we talked about before i think it's something that if it's such a successful thing for them they're going to be doing it more down the line so maybe that'll even things out if people would be looking more towards a summer or a spring sale that type of deal. So, Did you hear about Target? Target actually ran concurrently, and I know you had mentioned that as well. I don't know how successful it was for them, but they were running a massive sale on their own. 
but it wasn't as heavily publicized. In fact, when you told me, I was only barely aware of it that they were doing something like that. And I know that they had a concurrent sale trying to combat against Amazon, but they just didn't come anywhere near to the type of promotion or advertising that Amazon did with its Prime Day. Right. No. And they also had a problem with they're having a coupon problem. So people were getting like these coupons for deals, you know, get an extra 10, 15 percent off your order. And they didn't realize that in their system, people were stacking these coupons and they, they didn't have that thing, whatever it is, shut off in their system. So people were stacking these coupons and getting 65 inch TVs for like 300 bucks. And so they had a bunch of orders like that. And Target actually canceled a lot of the orders. So there are a lot of people who are pretty mad about that. But that happens a lot now these days when there's mistakes like that made. The retailer or the seller seems to go and not accommodate a lot of these, I don't want to say outrageous or or just these great savings that were well beyond what the retailer was willing to offer. Mm -hmm. And if people are able to circumvent the system, in the old days, you, you usually had to honor it. When it was when it was more of a brick and mortar type format. Now these days on online, it seems to be like you said the issue where they're they're canceling these orders right and left with whatever guideline or whatever byline that they want to use. I don't know. Having worked in retail, like I see how angry people get because people more than anything love deals. Like you go in on Black Friday and people will spend you know a crap ton of money on stuff they don't need, they won't use. It's just the idea of you know, paying 30 or $40 less, you know, even more in the case of TVs for an item. And once that it's something they don't need, and it's very materialistic because they don't need it. But the fact that the deal is being taken away from them, they might not even be planning on buying it, but they lose their crap over this stuff. And it is, it, it's insane, man. Just the, the mentality of some people when they go out to the store to buy something. Well, that's, that's correct. And people buy it during those times when it comes to Black Friday, a lot of things that they don't necessarily need or want or actually are looking forward to. But when they go there and when they're in that environment, they see all the stuff on the side and supposedly at a great deal, they just can't help themselves. I know I can't when I'm out there. So I'm along with them. So I understand that. I, oh, yeah. Hey, this is on sale too. Oh, I got to get that. So that happens a lot. But that's it's very sad to see that Target had its own issues when it comes to the stacking coupons and that they weren't going to go ahead and honor it, which is a shame. But I guess they're able to go ahead at this point in time, get away with it, along with the problems that had on Amazon. There is no clean system yet when there's a lot of demand for something. There seems to be technical issues or overloaded servers or anything of that nature when it comes to things like this. Once these large entities are able to weed out this process correctly, and make it streamlined as much as possible, then hey, brick and mortar stores like we talked about on the Monday episode could be a thing of the past. But there's more to talk about when it comes to pop culture and not just buying and deals and all that. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in the movers and shakers at Comic-Con. Josh, I'll tell you what, man. So right now we've talked a little bit about what's going on at Comic-Con and some of the trailers released so far. We've given them updates on where they can go to catch all the news. What are you looking forward to hearing more about in the coming days at Comic-Con? We know there's not a huge presence from Marvel at this point in time, but there are other entities out there that can really get us excited as well. Uh, What I really want to hear talked about is the new Hellboy with David Harbour. I know Mike Manola is going to be at comic-con it's weird because the last time i was at comic-con probably 
five no longer than five years ago probably like six or seven years ago mike manola was just sitting at a booth by himself he had a line of probably 12 people there wanting his autograph and now he's just kind of blown up because he's done what a lot of writers do is they've he's transitioned from not just writing things but getting into the production side of it for people wanting to make big budget stuff out of his source material so good for him you know i know that they're doing re uh releasing some original content in the hell and the uh manola verse which is all tied to hellboy and this new hellboy bprd stuff coming out but yeah i'm interested in hearing more about what's going on with that movie because we know that it has a february 2019 release date but other than that we don't really know much about it are they going to pull an aquaman and not show us a trailer till like three months before or what's going on with that that's what i'm interested in seeing I, you know as far as like marvel stuff goes like after that tease last year of infinity war and we didn't get to see the the actual trailer for like what a year and a half like i, I just i don't really care that much uh, if i was there that'd be one thing but yeah i mean i'm hoping one day you know we, we can get some uh, pop culture cosmos press access there yeah who knows man I, i'm just there, there's not a lot i can tell you what you know what i've read about that i am excited and have questions about but what what about you what are you looking forward to well, I thought it was really cool to know that Star Wars, The Clone Wars is going to be on for an additional year when the Disney streaming service comes up and running, that they've actually go ahead and extended its life. That was kind of nice to see and a kind of a nice nod to something that was done really well within the Star Wars universe and that it's something that it not only was a very much appreciated by fans, but now it looks like it was very much appreciated by Disney as well. So Glad to see it's going to be revived for one more season on the Disney streaming service when that comes about. I was kind of excited to see the, the new Doctor Who and see how that's all going to pan out because there's been a lot of polarizing opinions on that subject. I'm really for it. I know a lot of people are not, but tell you what, it looks like from the trailer that I saw, that was actually really fun to see. I know the the Predators, as far as trying to get that cycle of momentum going for the Predators movie coming out later this year, they showed the trailer. They've got a lot of things going on with the Predator universe that they're talking about as far as Predator versus Predator, and that's supposed to get a lot of fans excited. I know we're not excited for it yet, but you know it may come to the point where there could be a level of interest from a lot of fans out there. I know a lot of people are looking forward to knowing more about Venom and Spider-Man Far From Home. That's something I think a lot of people are pointing to because of the fact that it's pretty much the only kind of like Marvel presence that's out there, especially because Spider-Man Far From Home is being filmed. And I know they're going to talk a little bit about that at one of the panels coming up this weekend. So that's some of the things that we're looking forward to. There is going to be a lot of things to discuss when it comes to the Monday show about what's going on this weekend at Comic-Con. If you want the latest updates, again, just check out our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, also as well, at Pop Culture Cosmo as well. What are you looking forward to hear about when it comes to the latest news at Comic-Con? What trailers are you looking forward to or what have you already seen that you really, really want to tell us about? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we've got a great episode coming up for you. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. It starts with him, and it starts with his thoughts on Walmart expanding its voodoo service. This is a PCC multiverse. Mmm. 
nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you once again. Thanks again for listening in to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man of all tricks when it comes to Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out everything that he's doing. and <laughs> He's doing quite a bit at robmccallumfilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, and Rob McZob on Twitter. He is my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, man? Busy week for you, as always. Yeah, that's uh, the the go-to intro, isn't it? Busy, busy, busy. Lots of different things going on. I don't know when it's going to be different. (laughs) It's it's all the same in, in in this neck of the woods so far right now. So we'll just trying to get caught up as we're we find ourselves, you know, in the middle of the summer. It's Comic Con weekend. It's like that midpoint of the pop culture year, right? You know, the All Star Game for MLB is like around the same time. So it's a good chance to take kind of stake of what's going on, and you get a, an event like San Diego Comic Con that usually drops a bunch of news and kind of forecasts the next quarter and a half of what we can expect to see as we head to the final stretch of the year. So busy going into it and busy coming out of it from, from my point of view. Absolutely. And there's so much more going on around in pop culture, sports and the whole nine yards. I couldn't agree with you more, but we're here to talk pop culture and you're the man to talk to as always about it. So pray tell Rob what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture. Well, one piece of news that I'm sure you've already had a ton of thoughts on, and I know Josh, I'm sure, has thoughts too, and that's Walmart's streaming service that they announced as well. Back to the same comment we seem to make every week, another streaming service. How is it going to be different? Can it compete? Is it going to be worthwhile? Is it too much already? Does Walmart stand a chance at being a player in this space? Who are they akin to in this uh, emerging space? Are they like another Apple? Are they more like a Hulu and Amazon? Clearly, they have the resources and the deep pockets. I think there's also a moral conundrum with supporting a company like Walmart and the and the dubious history. They probably won't be supporting anti-Walmart documentaries that are out there. I think the one documentary I saw was the, the price of uh, low prices or something like that, the price of staying cheap or something. Really good documentary about the impact of Walmarts and communities and what it does. Check it out if you can. 
What were your immediate thoughts when you heard that Walmart is considering or starting to build the infrastructure for a streaming service? Well, Voodoo has been around for a little while now already in some form or another. It just hasn't been promoted to any sort of huge length. Uh, it was something always thought of as an aside and as almost like a bonus feature for the company. But Voodoo is something that is really, I guess, something that they're looking forward to. They're actually making a nice dent when it comes to online retail because they're focusing on challenging the Amazon two-day shipping by offering their own free shipping without having to do the actual Prime membership, which uh, they're, they're, they're actually trying to undercut Amazon every single turn. They're getting away with it because they are the, the world's largest, what would you say, a brick-and-mortar retailer would probably be the best way to say it at this point in time because they're no longer I, the I, world. I think, I mean, Amazon is obviously the world's largest uh, online re retailer, but I think you could say overall all-consuming retailer is still Walmart, given that they have both brick-and-mortar and, and online offerings, despite the few Amazon stores that are out there. Yeah, exactly. So I think at this point in time, it is a smart move that they're actually going to go all-in with the Voodoo service and, and finally not go uh, halfway with it like they've been doing before and in some form or fashion, almost treat it, treating it like a token aside. They've dabbled with a lot of things to compete with specialized services. I remember the times when they've tried to, I guess, maybe put a little bit more emphasis on the game trading aspects on video games to compete with GameStop, Best Buy, and all that. So I hope they go more all in on this as a heavy competitor to Amazon than they have in the past with other things. And just when they dabble, it doesn't work for them. When they go all in, that's when they really get something out of it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I look at the quarterly reports for Nintendo Quest and some of the other films and uh, Voodoo's been on there and it's always kind of been in a lower category. It's within the top 10 and I should say there are a ton of different online vod type platforms to to consume content they've been in the top 10 but always like seven eight nine it's, never it's never, never really high no it's never yeah. been a huge priority for them it's something that they've just had there not even a lot of the or, or a great deal of the walmart shoppers themselves un, uh, even knew it existed uh, only if you were really knowledgeable about the scene did you know it existed and that it actually had a pretty decent lineup for this for the size it was allotted yeah, it's it's always been just justifiable enough to get a title on their platform because there's a certain cost to to put content on there, and you hope that you recoup it. And uh, with the digital realm, it's it's not as much as you know making uh, you know a million DVDs and getting it out there and hope that they all sell to cover the cost of actual manufacturing. Still, it, it's just enough to justify it with Voodoo. What I think is going to be a really interesting thing, especially in the wake of what Amazon is doing with price, and you mentioned you know, the Prime subscription versus free two-day shipping without having to have to subscribe given what their bottom dollar is and how well Walmart does in other areas, is what are they going to do for indie content? Uh, Amazon Prime Video, uh, I'm a huge fan of the ease in which an indie creator can approach them and go through the steps to get their own content on there and be a part of that entire process. Will Walmart open the doors and allow indie creators to put their own titles on there in a do-it-yourself distribution method the same way that Amazon does? And if so, what will they be able to give back to the indie filmmaker? Amazon got a lot of flack in February when they went 15 cents per hour up to this point down to 6 cents per hour. So if you had a film that was 
you know, an hour long, you were going to get paid 15 cents for every minute that was streamed on Amazon Prime. Amazon took that in February and turned it down to six cents an hour. Okay. So they cut it by two and a half times and the indie community cried out saying, you're killing us. You're barely giving us anything anyways. And now you're dialing it back by two and a half. And Amazon's response was, well, we make Japan and Germany and the UK available to you. But those markets, especially with Amazon, aren't nearly as rich. And even though the cost in those markets and, and what they're paying is all on equal footing now to about that six cents per hour in their native currency, it doesn't equate the 15 cents per hour to that huge audience that existed in the US. So much like we've seen in the gaming sphere really develop over the last 10 or 12 years where the indies can rise to the, the cream of the crop on, on PlayStation Store and Xbox Live because those platforms are out there. I think Walmart, if they really want to make a dent in it, make it easy for indie filmmakers to get their content on their site, pay them reasonably well, not just competitively, and let the indie filmmakers be that secondary way to drive traffic. Because if I've got a film on this platform and they're paying me well and they're paying me more than the other guys, I'm certainly going to tell people to go over here and watch it then go over there or leave it up to uh, the audience to find it. Plus also you got to consider how much are they going to really invest into original programming as a whole when it comes to what Netflix and Amazon are doing. Amazon, you've, you've, you and I have gone over the fact that they're spending half a billion dollars on a new Lord of the Rings series. And also we've spoken at length regarding the how many, I think it's $13 billion over the next period of time that Netflix is spending as well. How much is Walmart willing to invest in Voodoo with new and original programming you can only find there? Yeah, what is the strategy? Are they going to enter like Netflix and be heavily reliant on third-party content from producers and outside companies until they can figure out how to produce their own content? Or are they gonna jump right in and basically enter the war of exclusivities what we see in consoles between Xbox and PlayStation, where it's all about the, the exclusives that you get there. Now we have that on the streaming side. Hulu's got their own, Amazon's got their own, Netflix has their own, and you know, HBO's kind of in that realm now that they have a standalone app in the US at least. Is Walmart and Apple for that matter really going to just enter their own exclusivity in there? And again, when is the, the point of saturation gonna happen? We've got CBS, of course, still in there. DC's coming in there. Disney's new thing is coming in there. Throw in Walmart, and we've already got almost 10 giant content providers just ramming content down our throats. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's it, There's too much event TV fatigue going on right now. There's a lot to watch. It's a good problem to have when there's so much good content out there. But what that does is really drive the price down for the people that are producing it because you want it out there, you can be that flagship Walmart first kind of production thing, or you can be Hulu's next big thing, or you can be that. And people are going to have to basically take sacrifices to compete with other things on there. Or the price of that gets passed off to the customer, which right now is already like, you know, we're talking dollar fast food menu. It doesn't cost a lot to have these subscriptions. It's still around the $10 a month range for any of these. So to have them all, you're still looking at a hundred bucks a month, which is about your average cable package. So where are we really going with all the streaming stuff? Netflix alone now doesn't replace the cable package like it once did. Now you usually got to have two or three of these to get all the hot shows, the things that people are talking about, or you're missing out. 
And you didn't even mention the what as far as far as the sports package when it concerns right the, ESPN yeah. now doing their own thing. And in Canada, yep. there's ESN package now, which is the subsidiary uh, ESPN, which is kind of a joke. Or you yep. know, Sunday Ticket, or Center Court, or Center Ice, or all that UFC Five Pass, or anything of that nature. So <laughs> it's cable all over again, my friend. It's just cable all over again. People who wanted to cut the cords to save costs may, in the long run, may not be doing so. I think it's going to be very much akin to video games like we've seen for the last 20 or 30 years. You're just going to pick the console that you want, the the subscriptions you want to go with. And yeah, you might not get to see that show now. You might not get to see that show until later. But you know what? You're going to have enough to watch with whatever choice that you get. If you can afford that secondary option to kind of fill in the gap, you'll probably do that. I think uh, the PS3 360 Wii, Wii U era... You know, people had two consoles o- over the the bridge of the three, three and a half, and that got them through the majority of games. If they missed out, you know, it's okay because there, there's other things to do. And now in the current era of gaming, Xbox, Switch, PS4, you get two of them, you're going to have more than two thirds of the exclusives that are out there anyways. And that's enough to fill any gamer's kind of time, especially when you have huge games like Fortnite, which just take up everybody's time. It's wicked. That it is. And I know for a fact that Douglas Hoyobu has a lot to say about that as far as our discussion from a previous Cosmic Crossfire episode in regards to that and also Sony as well. So Douglas uh, Hoyobu has comments and, and opinions on on Sony? Never. Uh, well, you know, that's, that's Doug for you. And I'm going to be playing it a little bit later on. I can't tell you one way or another whether or not he agrees with me or whether or not he agrees with you. Well, I can tell by your smile and the chance that you've had to rework your argument in your head, you've probably dragged him to your dark side because Dougie's a bit of a bully and, you're, and you want him to gang up on me over the cyberwebs. I get it. I get it. You just have to listen to it and find out. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. Keep, keep me in eager anticipation of online bullying. I've had enough of that as of late. I'm good. Are you sure? I'm sure. Rob... As always, my friend, it's great talking to you. All kidding aside, truly appreciate the time you take for us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and, of course, the Cosmic Crossfire. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Josh. As you know, we've got a lot of great things going on when it comes to Humanic Media and also Pop Culture Cosmos. We're on seven days a week on online radio and also as well, we're on over-the-air FM radio stations as well, plus on over 30 different podcasting platforms. If you want to check out many of those options, just check us out, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, and you can see our entire schedule or at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on when it comes to Humanic Media. So you got to tell me, man, please share us your thoughts. What's going on with Humanic Media? We just put out a new topic, Ocalypse, this morning. It's about capitalism. So Big Dog had the idea that 
he thinks that corporations should only should have a ceiling to for how much money that they're allowed to make so that cost of goods and services isn't limited to a certain group of people who can afford it rather than another group of people who can't afford it so it, it's an interesting thought it's all just speculation and all that but yeah you can check it out now and i also want to mention as well if you if you want to go ahead and catch all the latest programming please just go ahead and follow us on any of our social media outlets or go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, Pop Culture Cosmos channel on any one of our podcast outlets. And if you give us a five-star review, we would be glad to go ahead and shout that out on the radio as well. Josh, it's finally happening, my friend. It looks like Comcast has bowed out of the battle as far as the bids for the existing properties in the Fox universe when it comes to a lot of their media stuff. And it looks like Disney's going to come out the winner in all this. We talked about it in the past, what we were hoping for, what we want to see. But now that it's looking closer and closer to reality, and in fact, by pretty much all means it is, and all the changes that are going to be made, and some of the things that you're looking forward to when it comes to the acquisition that Disney has made for all those Fox properties. So I'm curious what they're going to do with a lot of these old things. Die Hard, you know, that's another one. What are they going to do with those properties? Like, I really hope they don't lie dormant because their future is really in question after some of the last entries that came out of these movies. But people like them still. And I think they're they're capable of being turned around in the right hands. You know, and obviously there's curiosity to how what's going to play out with the X-Men universe because we have the last uh, New Mutants uh, coming out in uh, 2019 sometime, I want to say. And they right now, like there's no usually we hear about, you know, there's like four X-Men movies lined up at once, but there's currently nothing slated to come out after New Mutants. So I know Kevin Feige claims to have a plan. What's going to happen? How is this going to happen? How soon is it going to happen? You know, are we going to get some in credit scenes that kind of hint at somebody being brought back? Is Hugh Jackman going to give us what we want? Deadpool, what's going on with all of our favorite characters here? How's that going to play out? How soon can we expect it to happen? Those are the the big questions I got. What do you what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I will just say this. I'm excited to see this finally materialize. And you know, Fox did not want to sell the Marvel properties by themselves. And they at least they didn't want to sell them off to Disney. So looks like that Disney had to go ahead in order to grab what they really, really, really wanted. They had to grab everything else, which if they do their research and do their due diligence, then they could really you know, make some of these older properties really shine once again. Hopefully, they'll still be able to create a lot of new things. I know Rob has talked about in the past wanting to make sure that they're going to go ahead and still create a lot of new stuff at Disney. I'm sure they will too, but leaning on older properties seems to be a theme always that's concurrent in Hollywood. And I just want to see some of these, these properties that need some love like you said with the Die Hard series i'd love to see a, another entry in the Die Hard series at least one more finale for bruce willis maybe if he turns that over to someone else because that's something that could still earn and generate a lot of income and then there are other fox properties as well that i would love to see just come back onto the screen now that it's in disney's hands but i'm kind of worried about what they will prioritize what they will say yes initially to and what they say we're we're going to put that on the back burner or not even worry about it all because i told you on our last episode i was still pretty upset that indiana jones 5 is just not a higher priority with them and it has not been and it's been delayed even to 2021 which makes it to me even worse so 
I, I'm just kind of keeping a wary eye on what's going on with this whole thing now that it looks like it's going to come to fruition and that Disney does have these Fox properties and is going to be able to do the right thing with it. Yeah, there's some hope there. It, it just seems like they have a lot of franchises that if they don't do something with quick, like sooner rather than later, the people who are into them are going to not really, be, I don't want to say not be wrong because that's morbid, but like they're not going to be as excited about movies as they used to. They have a generation of people that slowly fading out of the pop culture scene so they need to get on that or else it's a lot of not fading out of the pop culture scene i guess younger kids coming up don't care about the movies i guess i was a parent in blade runner which was an excellent movie yes it was yeah yeah brian kane you're wrong if you're listening to this phd there's just younger kids just aren't interested like i think the robocop movie like i said i don't think it's gonna do so hot die hard Expendables was another one that everyone thought was going to be real cool and people went to see it just for like it's B-grade action stuff. But even, you know, nostalgia, not nostalgia, but like ridiculousness proved to not be enough to keep that franchise afloat. So they got to act on some of this now. And like I would even go as far as to say rebooting it. But then again, I would want them to close off some of these like arcs that they have going on before they did something like that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And they need to go ahead and have something effective and a general plan going forward that they can utilize because they've spent a lot of money on this because obviously $70 billion plus is nothing to sneeze at. And they need to now go ahead and maximize their potential with this and seeing what they can do with all these properties, no matter how large, no matter how well known, or even no matter how small it is that they can go ahead and maybe profitize off of that in some form or fashion, because a lot of these dormant franchises that Fox has ignored or just pushed away to the side may be brought back and, and could be brought back to be able to delight audiences in a different fashion in a new age. And I'd love to see some of these smaller properties get some love too, along with all the other large ones that seemingly could be on the surface for Disney as well. What are your thoughts out there on the Disney acquisition for a lot of these Fox properties? Are you with it? Are you not with it? Are you excited to see what's going to go on? Not only when it comes to the X-Men and the Fantastic Four coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also when it comes to the other Fox properties as well. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, Douglas Hoibu is going to settle a little debate Rob McCallum and I had on a previous episode where we talked about Fortnite on the Nintendo Switch and cross-play, the controversy that seemingly surrounds it when it comes to PlayStation. He's going to put his final, almost like Judge Judy type decision making whether or not he's going to side with Rob or whether or not he's going to side with me. Find out the answer right after the break. This is a PCC Multiverse. Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics today 
at fxunityuki.com. That's fxunityuki.com. All right, and we're back with the show. Once again, it is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for listening into our show each and every week. I needed some help because recently on an edition of the Cosmic Crossfire, Rob McCallum, my good friend and also a good friend of the man I'm going to be talking to now, he and I went at it mano a mano over a couple issues in the video game world. One, if... Fortnite, with obviously the big success that it has already, if the success so far on the Nintendo Switch was actually anything to crow about. Because I had told them in the first 24 hours alone, it had garnered over 2 million downloads. Now, mind you, they've not released numbers since then, but you figure with that kind of success, it's probably close to, if not already, at half the units that are out available have Fortnite installed already and we and I thought that was a big success. I'm just gonna say it right now. I thought it was a big success. He was not so sure because he thought it was just a small drip into the whole world of Fortnite of the over 100 million users who are currently active users on Fortnite and he thought it was just nothing to really get get excited about. The other thing that I wanted to talk to him today was something that he and I also really went at it over and was that was the issue of crossplay and how important I think it is to the actual gaming scene to actual future of gaming and how important it is when it comes to the the future of systems and how they're going to be sold going forward because we're both at odds over how important it is that PlayStation is is not cooperating when it comes to crossplay I think it's a big issue he doesn't think so so we needed to our like our own judge judy per se and here he is now <laughs> he's both our good friends it is the man the myth the legend behind retro city games the leader in video gaming right here in southern nevada is my good friend douglas hoyabu doug can you help her brother out i think we might be uh he might be over two on this one oh, <laughs> but, no. but there, there's some gray area okay so so I'm doing well. Sorry. Oh no, no. <laughs> so, um, with, with Fortnite, I, I I don't think I've pulled any punches on how I feel about the Switch, and it it's it's essentially living up to what I thought it was going to be. It's a port machine with very little unique IPs. It, and I'll use a caveat to that. They're coming out with new IPs that are sequels to old IPs. There's exclusive games now, but I don't. I, I can't. I'm not getting excited for Mario Party or I'm um. Mario Tennis Aces, you know what I mean? So, but I'm, I, what I'm saying is I that think, that I think that you're right. It is a port machine in that sense, in many ways. And I'm not saying it wasn't. What I'm saying is, when a game like Fortnite comes to Nintendo Switch and garners so much interest initially, and you know, you got to know every everybody knows out there the popularity worldwide of Fortnite. You got to think that it's garnered at least half the systems going forward and for a system that is projected to be the number one selling platform for 2018 that's a big thing for fortnite to be on there i think it's good for fortnite i don't know if it's good for nintendo when 
the, the big game that everybody's talking about, and I've heard this discussion multiple times, it's a free-to-play game. I'm not sure what Nintendo actually gets out of that, and I don't know if it's going to cause people to run out and buy a Switch because of it. I think that's where, I, I said there's a little bit of gray area where I'm not sure on this one. I, I, think it's, I think it's definitely a win for Fortnite, and I, think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing for Nintendo to have people picking up their console and playing games on it, obviously, but I don't know if Nintendo necessarily wins with that because it is a free-to-play game. I don't know... I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know what kind of profit sharing there is between the Fortnite and community and or Fortnite uh, developers and the, the consoles they're on, or if it's just a tool. Hey, it's a free-to-play game. Well, I'm, I'm sure they get some type of kickback when it comes to all the microtransactions that you do for that game. Yeah. You know, for whatever, as far as costumes, as far as any other adjustments that you make, battle pass, if it's done for that specific type of deal. I'm sure they get some type of kickback on that. I would agree. Like I said, I just don't know if it's gonna it's gonna cause people to go out and buy systems or if it's or if it's enough of a push for them. I mean it's definitely a positive thing for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Because and you're right, Dig, you can play Fortnite on, on a mobile platform yeah. all over the place. I will say it was kinda cool at Nicole's little brothers were playing one was playing on a phone, one was playing on his uh, switch. They were having a blast. I thought that was kinda cool. It kind of brought the whole family into one room, not the room where the, the game system was off in their room. I know her parents really like that. But like I said, I don't know if it's a that system seller or I think Nintendo needs that something. And I don't know if Fortnite's it. I it's it's not for everybody, but I, I think it's a fun game. It's not I it didn't suck me in like everybody else, but I feel like maybe on the Switch it, a portable version might be a little better as far as like I can just pick it up for a few minutes, play. I don't have to take up a whole TV, and all that stuff. So I'm kind of torn on. It. I'm, I'm I'm back and forth. I don't know if this one's going to get solved. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I I think it's going to be a huge success on the Nintendo Switch because, like I said, it's going to the Nintendo Switch is projected to be the number one selling unit for the rest of this year, from yeah. what most most financial advisors say and whatnot. And that's to be expected because it is the newest system out. It's, Nintendo has a large fan base. We've talked before at length about Nintendo and and how people just seem to clamor for it no matter what they do and what they don't put on the system. And regardless, just the name seemingly sells itself. Well, I agree. But the issue in modern gaming that's different from 10, 15 years ago is it used to be people kind of pick sides. They had one. They had one console. You know, the old Sega does with Nintendo, and you know the the, the playground arguments over who's better. Because most households only had one or the other. They didn't have both. There were a few people you knew that had both, or later on, you know, acquired one. But most people didn't have multiple options in their living room to play. Now people do, and I don't know if every Switch sale is going to guarantee somebody playing on Fortnite as a, as their primary means of playing it. And I think that's the issue. Even though I own a Switch, I. I haven't played it on the Switch at all. I mean, I, I've, I've thought about it, but I played it at Nicole's um, parents' house, but I haven't played it on mine. I, I've played on the PS4 because, frankly, it runs better. I, I see a big difference. in so if they can optimize it maybe for Nintendo a little better, you might pull some of that hardcore fan base over if they get enough of a, a following on that system already. But it, it really is not optimized well for that machine. Fair enough, fair enough, and I can understand that because that's that's been a common complaint with the Nintendo Switch is when you, all those the ports like we were talking about, a lot of them don't seem to run clearly as well on the Switch as it does on other systems. I mean, most noticeably, the first time I, I noticed it like drastically was uh, its draw distance. I, I got sniped by a guy that I couldn't see because he hadn't been rendered yet. I mean, and I died, and then he popped in. Like, the it literally, it was old school pop in, just, oh, there he is. And I had already been killed by him. So, and I'm not saying that it's a, it's a, per, it's not a perfect game, and it's not a, in my opinion, a perfect system either. So, 
but if they can't optimize it, I could see myself playing. I just don't know if it'll ever be that main system for me. I can understand that. Now, you've already let me down on one end. <laughs> Let's go with the other end as far as the issue of crossplay itself. I'm, like I said, a big advocate of crossplay between all platforms. You obviously am very aware of what's going on with the controversy regarding PlayStation and its continued reluctance to accept crossplay for multi-platform for games, whether it's Fortnite or whether it's what have you, Call of Duty, what you know, any game that's pretty much out there outside of those rare games. I think like Rocket League and Minecraft, I think are one of the two of the few that have actually been able to be successful any type of crossplay to any extent when it comes to the PlayStation. So I ask you, do you see that as an issue going forward? You said already that you don't think so, but I, do you see it as something with, with future systems down the road or even the, the success of the PlayStation 4 being an issue as far as bad PR or even to a loss of sales down the road? I don't think it'll affect sales. We, we had the same argument last generation. I feel like whatever companies in behind it, I mean, PlayStation was taking jabs saying they wanted cross-play with Microsoft and Microsoft wouldn't do it. And now the, the sales have kind of flipped this generation and now everybody's on Sony's butt about it. I, I, I'm kind of torn about it. I don't, I, I don't think cross-play would make me buy one console over the other or make me all of a sudden play with, maybe, maybe one or two people I know that didn't have the system would I play a few games with. To me, it's not the most important issue. But that being said, I don't see why they couldn't leave it up to developers. I mean, especially most games are server-based and run through whatever publisher servers. I mean, EA runs their own servers. Ubisoft runs their own servers. I don't see why that couldn't just be up to the developer. And the reason I say that is I don't want a console maker, I don't want Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft dictating any more to a game developer than they have to. And especially when it comes to console parity. They're all three very different machines. Like we were talking about, I don't want, and we're, we're seeing the issue with like the Switch. Like porting a game to the Switch, it's underpowered. I mean, no matter how you look at it, it's an underpowered machine. And you know, four, five, six years down the road from now, when the next generation of Microsoft and Sony consoles are out, how is that gonna fare with cross-play? I mean, wh where is that gonna fit? Is it gonna be possible? So, I mean, I can see leading up to the developer for their game, but I just don't see, I don't see it hurting sales for anybody or even improving sales. I don't see somebody running out and buying a, an Xbox One or a Switch because they can play. I mean, I feel like it's an, an addition that if you already own the consoles, great. Like I said, that was the other thing I didn't bring up. When when they were, one was playing on the phone, one was playing on the Switch, and Nicole was playing on the Xbox in the other room later on just to see if we could do it. And it was cool, but again, we ran into the issues of you know what, what server we're on, how it's running. It wasn't optimized perfectly. And then again, one person's playing on the Switch, and I hate to say it, it just didn't, they didn't have the same experience. So I feel if they can create a, a parodied experience across all three, I'm all for it. But I really feel it should be up to the developer. Well, I agree with you on that. It should be up to the developer to, if they want to or, or not want to, it shouldn't be up to the actual platform designer because it's gonna lead into problems with not necessarily larger games because they don't want to risk those sales, but smaller developers saying hey i maybe i don't want it on your platform because uh you're not going to allow crossplay to to all different platforms well there also used to be the thing of you know network fidelity and network security as well that was a big issue where it's you know when you when you group everything into one you know big conglomerate now sony microsoft and nintendo have less control and that's that's an issue you know what i mean so i don't know I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't. I don't know if it'll ever be a seamless crossplay between all three consoles on every game ever. There might be a year where it is, a year where it's not. I. 
I, I don't see three companies getting along in any space that well. <laughs> I hate to say it, it's just... <laughs> uh, this is true. Uh, but right now, at least Nintendo and also as well, Xbox are seem to be very friendly with each other, cross-promoting, even oh, doing yeah. commercials in regards to cross-play. So at least that in itself is good to see. Well, I don't know if they were confirmed, and I tried to look up the other day and I wasn't sure. Um, there was a lot of big rumor mill beforehand, I mean about six months ago when Nintendo was pushing their online services about to come out and all that kind of stuff that Microsoft was helping them as far as with, you know, Nintendo service piggybacking off of some of the servers and some of the infrastructure and the, the structure that's already set up for Xbox Live because Xbox has been dominant in the online space for 10 years now. Any help Nintendo can get is greatly appreciated. Well, when Nintendo just figured out what the internet is about a year ago, <laughs> they probably need some help catching up. Oh, well, you know I have not been kind to Nintendo when it comes to their online platforms. You have... You have you have two, you have the same game, you have Melee and Smash and Evo every year, and you just kind of added multiplayer support. Like, I, I, I don't get it. You already have these games that are so popular, why not capitalize on that? Well, well I, that's something I'm going to sit down with you at some point in time here <laughs> in the near future is talking about Nintendo service, when it comes live, when it, when it, you start have to pay for it, unfortunately, as well, and see if it's actually a value that's comparative to what's available now on the Xbox Live and PlayStation Networks. Well, thanks so much for backing me up and giving me that support I was truly looking for. <laughs> Rob, if you're listening out there, and I'm sure you're going to be listening, and you're going to let me know about this on the next Cosmic Crossfire. You win, my friend, on this round. But, I don't know uh, if it was a knockout. It was, I, I feel it was, I'm kind of torn. I, I don't. I don't feel I'm one way in either direction. <laughs> oh, don't dance around the roses on that one, my friend. You, you, you have sided with him. You sided with him. That's okay. Uh, you know your fellow producers on an upcoming film. I see all that favoritism there. What can you say? All right. But I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, my friend. I'm looking forward to doing a game night with you down the road and setting that up for a for a big, large game night with Pop Culture Cosmos invading your store. I'd love to see us do that at some point in time in the near future. But always just love coming back here and talking to you, my friend. And love playing your commercials, as always. Yeah, sounds like fun. And thanks for having me, as always. Uh, no problem. Thanks for being a part of the show and, of course, the being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Josh, to close out the show, I thought we would share a little bit of fond memories in regards to The Dark Knight. It hit 10 years this week. Seems like only yesterday when I watched it on screen and watched the powerful performance of one Heath Ledger who posthumously won the Academy Award for his portrayal as the Joker. To me, not only the fact that it was such a great performance that literally stole the show, but also the fact that it's a really solid movie with a lot of interesting themes and a a good performance by Christian Bale as well. Okay, so I went through a weird phase when The Dark Knight came out. I was in a place where when people came up to me and said, oh, bro, you got to see this movie. It's so good. I didn't want to go see it. Like, 
I was being rebellious, I guess. Like Napoleon Dynamite was one of those. Like everyone's like, oh, it's such a great movie. And I went to it with just these super high expectations. I came out and I was like, I gotta be honest, man, I didn't like that movie that much. So I was trying to not let people overhype the Dark Knight for me. I loved it though. Like it was dark, it was gritty, and it really brought almost like I would say that it did the most for superhero movies that any other superhero movie has ever done because it brought superhero movies to almost an award-worthy light, you know, and that whole thing. And I, I know it sounds bad, but I think the whole thing with the, the Heath Ledger incident kind of brought it a little more popularity. But it was, yeah, it was dark. It was gritty. Like, Chris Nolan really knew what he was doing. And, like, if I would have loved to see his vision come to light in the Justice League instead of having Zachary Snyder take control of it, because I know he was originally, we might have talked about this, when he produced The Man of Steel, he was originally doing it under the impression that the Christian Bale was going to play Batman in the Justice League, but I guess he didn't want to sign up for six more movies or something, so that never came to light. But yeah, no, it's, see, I, I want to call it a masterpiece, but it it really, I don't know if it's a masterpiece or if it was just something that nobody had ever seen and no filmmaker had, had ever dared to do before. But like, even if you watch it now, it holds up really, really well. And I would even put it in my top 10 movies. It is an outstanding movie. I agree with you on that. I thought uh, I'm probably one of the differentiating f- opinions on its predecessor, Batman Begins. I really like Batman Begins. I think it is just as good as the dark knight in my opinion i just think it falls off like a cliff when it comes to the dark knight rises that movie was just uh too long but we won't go into that detail there so yeah it was truly a great film when it came out it is one of the defining superhero films no nobody else can take that away because it just is an outstanding film as far as quality as far as the performances but Heath Ledger's Joker is a defining moment in cinema, especially when it comes to the superhero genre. And I think it proved to a lot of people that a superhero film can reach an audience, can also connect with an audience, but be also one of those movies that also gets that type of praise, that, get, that deserves that type of attention as far as not only from a critical, but a popularity standpoint as well. The thing that disappoints me is that it was... They kind of with that movie, you know, and I knew they were making a third one. I was super excited about The Dark Knight Rises, but I just knew that nothing was ever going to top that movie. Like that was the high point. And even if they were to have tied that into the DCU, it would still be nothing that they make would ever come close to fitting into that world, you know, not fitting into the world, but like nothing they make would be able to top that movie so that would be the golden standard and i almost think that success would be even more difficult for them if that were the case what are your thoughts out there on the dark knight hitting 10 years is it something that you remember fondly as part of the superhero genre and being one of the best films that is in the superhero genre of all time Do you see it as a, I guess, a kind of like a message to the DC and Warner Brothers movies these days as far as trying to get back to the quality of that film and say, hey, you need to look back at your past before you go ahead with your future and really trying to hone in on on what it's all about? Because at one point in time with The Dark Knight, it was really something special. 
Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Manic Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, we're going to give everybody on the Monday show a great update on what went on with Comic-Con. We're going to have a lot of other stuff to talk about as well when it comes to pop culture. Before we head on out, man, I know it just appeared right before our very eyes as we're, we're recording this right now. The Dragon Ball Super Broly movie trailer just hit. You got to share your thoughts before we head on out because I liked it. I can't wait to see more. And I am beyond excited to see this. So this is uh, and actually get a backstory about him, too, because he was just kind of a dude that appeared. And then, you know, he they made a clone of him and they made a robot of him. And he just never really got he was just somebody that Goku and Vegeta Trunks uh, Goten could just fight for a spectacle. But now we're actually seem to be getting some backstory on him for whatever that's worth in a Dragon Ball show. If you want to see that latest trailer, check it out today on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. We've got the link right there for you. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Do you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.